Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Till Mets Do Us Part. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter. We're live on X, whatever it is called. You can find us in both places, just like we are each and every single week at 5.30 Eastern or thereabouts, 5.34, 5.35 here today, mostly because Hollywood, that's me, might be standing <laughs> me up, which is my partner in the comments. Um, honestly, I was just... Uh, I was just making coffee. That's all I was doing. It took me an extra couple minutes to make coffee. Uh, John Sapanero out here in Hollywood, Hollywood land, Los Angeles, California, which means Matt Ibby Ibanez holding it down back in New Jersey. And Ibby, based on what I'm seeing, based on what I'm seeing on the news, the weather could not be any more different. It is sunny and 65 degrees here, a little yeah. breezy. And uh, I think you guys hit got hit with like Snowmageddon 2006 all over again. So uh, how are you? How's the family? Is everybody warm? How's, how are things over uh, in the uh, the brick wall household <laughs> that is the Ibby household? Yes, the, the entire house is just all brick now. Uh, no, it is... Uh... <laughs> It's uh, he, just, he just disconnects the computer and just walks around the house and everything's brick. brick. All the walls, all the ceilings, all the floors. Uh, like, what are you? What are you living uh, inside a chimney from 1952? <laughs> What's happening? Okay, sorry. Uh, no, but it, all things are good. We had a good snow day yesterday. Uh, a lot more than I thought we were gonna get, but the good type of snow when you bring your kids outside, you can make a snowman and have a good time. So that was always fun, just being able to kick back and relax a little bit. And uh, unwind as much as you can unwind with two small children in the snow. Um, my back is killing me. I'm a little bit beat. But either way, uh, fun nonetheless. And uh, obviously, spring is on the mind because uh, I got the hat on. Our uh, our Mets have packed up and are down in Port St. Lucie in Florida. Um, some stuff to talk about. A couple of talking points we'll hit on. Some pressers and things of that nature. And of course, as always, having some fun with the chat. But uh, it's Wednesday, red lights on. I'm ready, baby. Let's do it. Listen, I got a couple things I got to say. First of all, Puxatani Phil, you lion son of a bitch. <laughs> this dirty ass groundhog, squirrel looking bitch comes out here and says, spring is coming early. And then what, two days later, the tri state area gets hit with a blizzard? They need, you got to find. Wherever Bill de Blasio is, get him out there and have him kill another groundhog because this one is just inaccurate as shit. Okay. I don't trust him. I never trusted a groundhog, but this one I especially don't trust. And I don't even have skin in the game because I don't even live there anymore. My weather is different, but I got to watch this guy, you know, out here making up stuff. Next thing you know, the way the groundhog makes things up. He's going to be the new midday host on WFAN. That's what's going to happen soon. The way the groundhog all, just, just fabricates okay. takes. Okay. <laughs> why? It, it's the year 2024. Do we have any idea why we're still going off of what a groundhog is telling us? Don't we have other things like technology to tell us what is going to happen? Granted, the weatherman is wrong 99% of the time anyway. But do I have to really listen to what a freaking groundhog is telling me? Listen, Come you know on. what? We, we're, we live in the worst timeline. We live in a timeline where AI is writing screenplays, putting talented <laughs> actors out of work, talented writers out of work, and the groundhog is being relied on as a meteorologist. I don't understand <laughs> it. I hate it. It is absolute It's idiocracy. Yeah. 
It is idiocracy. Um, <laughs> CP, shout out to uh, Dax Shepard, by the way. Uh, idiocracy. Um, I love that movie. Funniest, funniest part uh, of that movie. That movie is wonderful. If you've never seen Idiocracy, you should watch it. It's turned into a documentary. Um, <laughs> CP saying the groundhog batting uh, 0 50. Uh, <laughs> Darren Ruff style on these oh, guesses. Man. Charlie saying uh, the groundhog as a host would be an improvement. Um, Mets trucker tone saying <laughs> hating on a groundhog is wild. <laughs> Shout out to all the groundies. We're at now me and oh, me, now me and tone have beef, you know, cause I got beef <laughs> with a lot of groundhogs. Um, no, listen, it'd be today's a, today's a busy day. Today's, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's Ash Wednesday for those who are interested. It is Valentine's day for those mm-hmm. who celebrate. It is the first full day of, uh, workouts for uh, Mets pitchers and catchers and some other people, Francisco Lindor and Mark Vientos. And a lot of people are already down there. A lot of people show up early and that is good news. Um, And of course, since it is Valentine's day, we should shout out our friends over at Manscaped. You see the code at the bottom, use the code TMDUP till Mets do us part for 20% off and free shipping. Look, today's Valentine's day, so you're not going to get it for Valentine's day, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you can't use it post valentine's day 20 percent off and free shipping across the entire site at when you use the promo code tmdup that is courtesy of the folks over at manscaped and of course partnering with us here for this uh this season of love if you will it is also the hope springs eternal season ibby so where do you want to start we've got the mets down there in port st lucy mm-hmm. got terrible press conferences being led by 40-year-olds in sweaters, um, sweater vests or whatever. Um, we've got all kinds of stuff happening. So where do you want to start with these with, with, the, with the Mets? As spring training is here, the baseball season is upon us, football is in the rearview mirror. So where do you want to go? Well, I mean, let's start off with, with the man up top, and that's David Stearns. And, you know, shout out to CP and, and Nelson for having me on the interstate last night. We talked about this, but we'll talk about it here as well. And I think we, I think that's where we should start because I want to get your thoughts on it and hear your takes about the things that Stern said during that presser. I mean, a couple of things stood out, obviously. The one that I'm tired of talking about, that being Pete Alonso, but I'm sure we'll, we'll hit on it real quick if we must. Uh, Starling Marte, uh, the bullpen, just how this team took shape in general. Like, So I think we should start off with what David Stern's talked about and get your take on it. And I'll chime in with a couple of pieces as well. So um, jump into the comments really quick. Uh, that's my sports saying Shamanaya's hair flow is, and I agree. Uh, the Mets need a little bit of that uh, in their life. They need, a, they need a little bit of characters. You know, we talk about how the Mets need different looks out of the bullpen. The Mets have been like right-handed and like middling stuff. That's been the Mets' identity out of the bullpen. And you don't know what this bullpen is going to have to offer, but the Mets now have high-velocity guys. They have two lefties. They have different arm angle guys. They have different looks. You know, you bring back Adovino with the wipeout slider. Rayleigh has basically that same slider from the left side. So the Mets have different looks. But I think it'd be the Mets need different looks in terms of player personality. I know the hair thing is is me being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but the Mets no, need some it. of that. The Mets need, you know, I, I said it before, like when the Mets had DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Stroman, you know, you look at DeGrom, goes out there, gets his business done. You look at um, Syndergaard, a little bit more goofy, but, you know, kind of a kind of a bulldog with a different sort of mentality. And then you look at Stroman as the outspoken, the flashy guy pointing to the gold glove on the, the gold part on his glove when he makes a great play. Like, and I know people 
have changed their opinion on basically all three of those guys because DeGrom walked away. Syndergaard's a bit of a prick. People don't like Stroman. But that's a recent example of three guys mm -hmm. with three different personalities that all worked and all had success here, and you need all of that. I think that a baseball team is made up of a myriad of personalities. You can't just have the guys who are like, oh, that guy's business as usual. That guy's business as usual. Or you can't have a bunch of you know, hotheads and things like that. So, you know, I use that comment as a jumping off point there. And then uh, Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast says, hey, what's up, John and Ibby? Uh, and the podcast, oh. G Money Stacks here. G Money uh, Stacks. From the podcast, uh, a sports edition show. Congratulations on your podcast and the Breller Sports uh, Venture. Thank you. Following it up by saying, uh, what we so always much. say, don't forget to hit the button. It helps with the algorithm. Uh, hit the like button like and the subscribe. subscribe button. So 13 you know, away Ibi, from um, 700. 13 away. Yeah, we are getting there. Um, yeah, so yeah. you know what, Ibby? Uh, to answer your question now that I kind of had that little bit of, of a digression. Um, yeah. Listen, man, Stearns, and, and I didn't watch any of these uh, these. Um, uh, press conferences in full. I just saw some okay. clips. So I'll okay. just say that first right out of the gate. Sure. Um, sure. Stearns to me is everything you kind of need. You know, you don't need to win a press conference um, when you get hired. You don't need to win a press conference week in and week out, but you need to be competent. You can't lose them. You can't consistently lose press conferences. And I think David Stearns, when he talks, whether he's talking on foul territory, whether he's talking to the media, you know, at large, having a media scrum like he had the other day, whether he's talking on SNY, whether he, no matter what he's doing, he comes off as intelligent. He comes off as measured. He's not afraid to crack a joke. This is a New York kid. He gets it. And so every time, yeah, there's going to be GM speak. There's going to be the proverbial coach oh, speak and everything yeah. he says, because that's the name of the game. You can't just come out there and be like, yeah, we wanted to try to extend Pete Alonso, but we gave him a low ball offer and he's got Scott Boris. So I guess that's not fucking happening. You know, you can't say that. that's insane. Yeah. So, you know, without addressing an individual thing, every time Stearns talks, I am reassured that this team is in the right hands. And over the last several years, and I'm just taking Cohen's ownership, because I think anything that happened BC before Cohen eh, doesn't really matter now. But over the last several years, there's been a lot of us talking ourselves. And I don't mean you and me. I mean the entirety of the Mets fandom yeah. talking ourselves into somebody who has not been David Stearns or David Stearns-esque, you know, Theo Epstein, right? They flirted with him and, you know, somebody of that level, I think. When they brought back Sandy Alderson, we all said, okay, it's a necessary evil. You know, Sandy, a good baseball guy. But, you know, I tweeted out the other day, It's I think it's pretty clear that the game at that point had passed Sandy Alderson by. Mm -hmm. You know, then it goes from him to people he hired, Jared Porter. You know, he loses the job before he ever really gets started. He winds up being a piece of shit. He's banned, right? Then you get Zach Scott. Zach Scott makes a mistake that he shouldn't have made, but... You know, I'm sure a lot of us have made at some point in our life, whether caught or not caught, doing something that is dangerous, but certainly a fireable offense when you get caught and, you know, and you put people's lives at risk the way that he did, especially when you have all the money in the world. And, you know, there's that there's other options than doing what he did. You know, he winds up gone. And now we have to talk ourselves into somebody else and they flirt with a lot of other people. And then, you know, we wind up with Billy Epler and Billy Epler finds himself on the ineligible list for doing something again that every GM in this sport does. And he either, which means him getting in trouble for it means a couple things. MLB was throwing, you know, the book at him because they're trying to make an example out of him. Right. But it also means he was caught. 
which means he either wasn't well-liked and somebody blew the whistle on him. Maybe it was Buck Showalter. Maybe it wasn't. I don't care, quite frankly. Neither guy is right. here. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, but it either means that he wasn't well-liked and somebody blew the whistle on him, or he was doing it to such an egregious level that he got caught anyway because baseball was like, you know, what the fuck is dry eye syndrome? And yeah. why is a guy going on the the IL for something where, you know, you can get him some prescription eye drops and you hope that it clears up in a day or two, you know, and I'm obviously I'm, you know, you don't know the ins and outs of these injuries, but you know, so I I run through that whole list of people and I give this long winded answer to say that when David Stearns talks, I am reminded that he is not Billy Epler who I thought did a fair job. He is not Zach Scott who I thought wasn't here enough to do anything positive. He is not, um, Jared Porter, who obviously did nothing positive in his life or professionally in his time with the Mets and before. And he's not Sandy Alderson, who did some positive things going back to 2015 and 2016. But, you know, and was was handed a raw deal, basically, by by the Wilpons when they fired him the way that they did, you know, while he was sick and basically on leave. But when he came back, he didn't do anything. So, you know, I'm reminded every day that David Stearns, every time he opens his mouth, is a competent modern president of baseball operations. So, you know, I mean, Mets vent says this, not going to lie. I absolutely got nothing new from the Stearns presser echoed everything he said this whole off season. And that's true. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because it means again, he's competent and consistent and steadfast. And right now you don't want reactionary. It'd be right now today. He has not operated all offseason long as somebody who's trying to be reactionary, trying to do something different, trying to shake the snow globe too, too much, because there is evaluation that needs to be done. Now, yeah, he did cut a lot of people in the form of non-tenders where he got that 40-man roster down to like 26 so he could rebuild this team as best as he possibly could. But ever since then, he's been very measured, and I think he should be, and this continues. So for me... You know, it's not about any particular one thing he said, because again, to Mets Vent's point, he's said nothing different, echoed everything he said all offseason. And Rosie's saying Stearns has a plan and he's executing. And that was my biggest takeaway. It's a long way to get to that, but that's how I feel. I'm just reminded that we have somebody who's actually knows what they're doing, controlling everything. I think back to when we had Casey Stern on the show and we talked about the idea of David Stearns being the new head, the new uh, president of baseball ops for this team. And we asked Casey for his opinion. And he said, I I put David Stearns in the same company as that of a Theo Epstein type, an Andrew Friedman type. So when you when you have people within the game that have worked within the game who have and we, we both respect Casey, many people do for his baseball opinion. When you have people that feel that way about someone, you have to again let the person execute, go out there, do what they're do what they're trying to accomplish. I said this last night, I will echo it again. Everything that David Stearns has said to this point has not been a lie. Mainly, what I mean is everything he said he's going to go out and do, he's gone out and done. Mets fans, media media and the like, they want to pick things apart because it's not to their liking. He, from the jump, has told you what he's going to do. And for the most part, outside of the proverbial GM speak, coach speak, when it comes to player signings, which you're always going to get, he hasn't lied to you once. He says, I want to attack the pitching. He's attacked the pitching. We, we we know what's going on when it comes to the money and the tax. So it's like everything he said to this point continues to be consistent on brand for what this offseason is, is, is supposed to be. And I can't remember who said, I think it might have been Tone last night 
or I, I, I feel bad not being able to um, pinpoint exactly who said this, but it was if this was anyone else, if this was any other baseball team that was not backed by Steve Cohen, that didn't have Mets on the front, it would be viewed as a good offseason. Not fantastic, not blow the walls off, but mm-hmm. it'd be viewed as a good offseason. But because it's the Mets, because it's Cohen, because it's the money, because it's everything, all that adds up, it's looked at as a eh, bit of a letdown. Could have done better. What are you doing off of you know back off of the bad year that you had? Like that's that's why I'm happy that we have someone like you just said that is measured, that is taking the proper precautions. And again, they are trying to assess what they have when you're in the building for the first year. You have to know what you have. Give it an opportunity. This team is working towards the deadline. Not, I'm not. I'm not looking at full scope. I said it last night. I'll echo it again. I am not giving an offseason grade because I can't. It's impossible to right now, in my opinion. I want to see what this team can do come the deadline, and then how Stearns assesses it and attacks the deadline moving forward for the back half of the season, second half. Then going into 25, that's when you're really going to know what David Stearns is made of. That's what I'm looking forward towards seeing. So in terms of the presser itself as a whole, a bit of nothing, a lot of the same, like was said before by Mets Vent, Rosie saying the same thing. Other than that, I'm good with it. Now, if you want to talk about Carlos Mendoza, he did a fine job, but the media is a joke. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that. Um, we'll get into the comments here, um, and then we'll we'll turn our attention to the Carlos Mendoza side of the press conferences. But I agree. I mean, you know, I think the only way that you can grade this Mets offseason is grading on a curve. Now, to be fair, I think you can only ever grade any offseason, any deadline, any anything based on that same metric. You have to be able to grade on a curve because you have to grade it out based on expectations. Nothing exists in a vacuum. So you can't go and look at what the Dodgers did and compare it as a one-for-one to what the Mets did. The Dodgers already had Freddie Freeman. The Dodgers already had Mookie Betts. The Dodgers were going to make an all-in play for Shohei Otani, and they did. It was the worst-kept secret in baseball. The Dodgers are knocking on the door of a World Series every single year because the Dodgers have already gone through the growing pains of a new owner that the Mets are actively going through now. I did this bit one time when I was in London doing stand-up, and I was joking around about how London reminded me of New York City with just, you know, hundreds of years of more history. And so everything that New York City is going through right now, London went through 300 years ago. And so people are like, I was amazed, like, you know, I'm walking around Covent Garden and, you know, people in London will talk about how dirty and messy London is. And then, but I'm walking around and I'm watching a guy with a tiny little pressure washer, pressure washing individual pieces of gum off of the street every night to make sure that it's clean the next morning. And I'm just like, that is the difference when you've been a city for hundreds and hundreds of years compared to being a city for 200 years, right? Like that's the difference because the infrastructure is different. You learn the lessons and, you know, so anyway, the Mets are at a different stage of their cityhood, if you will, than the Dodgers are. The franchises are in two different places. So you can't just, that's why when every year when MLB.com and all these places rank the off seasons, you can't. 
rank the off seasons with context. Now that's not sexy. That's not going to get you headlines and clicks, but that's the true answer. Rank the off seasons based on the expectations. Rank the off seasons based on what happened last year. When you look at the Mets timeline from the trade deadline last year to the start of spring training this year, you can't help but give them an A. Now, you can't give everybody else that same grade or over that same course of time because other teams were in different positions. The Mets traded off under a different leadership group, old veterans, both of whom probably aren't going to start the season on time, and restock their entire farm system. So if you want to grade on that scale, well, then you have to give them a better grade. If you're just grading from the World Series till now, well, I guess you got to give them a worse grade. But I don't believe, and I, I said this two weeks ago about Evan Roberts, I don't believe in ignoring everything. You can't just go, oh, well, Steve Cohen, when is he going to stop using the excuse of the Wolpons? I don't know, like five, six years into his ownership when that is no longer a valid reason? Not year four when he finally has a baseball executive who knows what he's doing? Where he was forced to hire Sandy Alderson? Where he was forced and stonewalled at every turn? Like, you you can't. So, anyway couple comments here that I think are really important. Uh, yeah. Mets Trucker Tone saying, Stearns has been clear in my opinion. Till uh, This team, till the trade deadline, he will see what he has when the time comes. If the Mets are over 500, think 2015, he's yeah. going to pull the major trigger. I agree there. I agree. Um, Andrew F. saying, lots of fans forget that they offered a pitcher that never pitched in the major leagues top dollar. Not just yeah. top dollar, the toppiest of top dollars that has ever been offered to anyone ever. Okay, and I think that that was the watershed moment for this team as far as the offseason goes. If they get Yamamoto, maybe they act a little differently. Maybe not. Maybe Yamamoto is the big splash and they still fill out the roster differently. But maybe, but we won't know. There's an alternate version of us that know what happens, but we can't talk to them. So it is what it is. Mm -hmm. James Dowling also with a great point, something we've talked about before. This was an eh free agent class anyway. 100%. I'm glad Stearns went in the direction that he did. And Andrew F. saying something that I just said moments ago, Verlander's shoulders aching, Max out to start the year. Looks like the Mets made out real good with those trades. Add 100%. to the fact, Ibby, that Verlander has a vesting option that the Mets are on the hook for in at years. least partial capacity if he starts 23 games. So I don't wish for injuries. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Verlander's had a great career. But if he doesn't pitch to start the year and misses some games, that is good for the Mets. Sorry. That's all I'm concerned with. I'm concerned about the Mets. So, you know, I don't don't wish any ill will. But, man, I'm not going to be disappointed if it happens. That's all I'm saying. No, absolutely. The fact that, again, to echo the sentiments of that comment, talking about how the Mets cleaned up with those prospects, we see what it's done for the system. You see that it was the right – because I know I remember a lot of people were upset at that time and then talking about, oh, you know, going into 24, it would have been nice to have someone like Justin Verlander because he did well when he when he came back for us and he pitched a, a decent bit. Then they got rid of him, like, oh, we could have used that type of arm on this team for 24. If you're telling me you're going to try and compete, you should have kept him. But it's like, again, when you are older, when you are in your 40s, again, your body acts differently. It doesn't bounce back the same, okay? Spring just started, and we're already talking about Verlander potentially missing time. And Spring just started, and we're talking about him already missing time potentially. We already know what's going on with Max. They cleaned up. They did the right thing. Um, 
but yeah, all in all, I think that um, I think they're I think they're in a good spot. I I, I think that I people do. need to understand that not every name is going to be sexy. You need to have depth. And to Carson's point that he made on his show and others as well, when you think about the bullpen in particular, there was a plan with the bullpen. Billy Epler, there wasn't a plan. It was here's some names, let's see what sticks. And then when you look, and we talked about it on the show when when it was happening, we're like, yeah, but like we are kind of lacking the depth. If something happens, we don't really have anything. That's not the case right now. Like there are a lot of options. They attacked a lot of different avenues, a lot of different looks, more velocity. It's like there was a calculated attempt at building something. People don't like it because they don't know the names. People always attach themselves to names. But again, the Yankees, the Brewers, and others of that like have dominant bullpens, and people can't name anybody outside the closer on those teams. So again, as always, let the guy work. Absolutely. Jump back into the comments. A lot of good stuff coming in. Right now, by the way, if you're watching, this is Till Mets Do Us Part. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitter and X. Go ahead and hit the like button if you are watching. Also, subscribe if you're a new viewer. It looks like a lot of the same folks in here, which is great. We love hearing from those same folks. But if you're new and you're just kind of chilling in the background, you don't want to comment, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. I promise you will like what you see more times than not. And of course, uh, we got to shout out our folks over at uh, Manscaped. And as soon as I pull this uh, comment down, you'll see everything you need to see, but you could use the code TMDUP, that's Till Mets Do Us Part, TMDUP, for 20% off and free shipping that is site-wide at manscaped.com. Carson saying, uh, some fans are upset that Stearns got depth and youth over names and track record. They can continue to cry about it, and hopefully they will figure it out eventually, which is a great comment. One can hope. Uh, Paul Revere saying, my hopes for 24. Be watchable, compete, and hope that one of the two prospects prospers. Yes, Yes. That's great. Because here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. And I hate to beat a dead horse on this because sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're not right. You know, I've done this before and I've been wrong. I've been very wrong when I compared the Mets team of a couple of years ago or whatever, like two different teams that, you know, went on a push and made the playoffs and, you know, teams that had bad uh, bullpens that were able to figure it out. And I was wrong. The Mets didn't do that last year. The Mets decided that they were out of it and they sold off. But you can look at things every year. There are examples. Did anybody think heading into last year that the Arizona Diamondbacks were one of the best teams in baseball? Now, people said, wow, this team could be sneaky good. People said, wow, this team could make a lot of noise. Wow, this team has a lot of young talent. Did anybody say, wow, this team is one of the best teams in baseball and I think they're going to get to a World Series? No, no, really nobody said that. Now, maybe somebody did somewhere and I don't want to discredit that person, but I didn't hear it. No, but I think think a lot of the Milwaukee Brewers... I don't think anybody ever said under Stearns, you know, it was always this team is sneaky good. It's always, oh, this team's going to win 75 wins. Boom, they win 90. Oh, this team's going to win 81 games. Oh, they win 95. Oh, this team's going to win even 80. This team's going to win 80 games. They win 83 and get in the playoffs. Like his teams always overachieve. So, you know, I think being, being watchable and being competitive is they're not the dirty words that they used to be when you have an owner like the Woolpons, and that's the best you can hope for. Guys, right. this is year right. zero. When you talk about grading on a curve, Ibby, I'm going all the way back. I'm wiping the slate clean on Steve Cohen. I am counting Steve Cohen's ownership. Me, you guys could disagree if you want. I'm counting Steve Cohen's ownership from right now. He finally has the guy he wants calling the shots in baseball ops. He's not saddled with somebody else that he didn't really want. 
He's not chasing a championship to try to fulfill something. He's building. They have a young manager who is invested, who is hungry, who has proven a lot on in terms of his way, his his path to managerial status. Is he going to be great? I don't know. I like Carlos Mendoza. I think he's fine. But they have all the pieces in place of a team that is building towards something. And they'll just keep it in the comments really quick before we talk about Carlos Mendoza's uh, press conference. Mets vent saying, Epler is a genius. And then Mets trucker saying, uh, Epdog showed us a master, what a masterclass really was. Carson saying, Epler is the product of Cohen and Moreno's money. Stearns is an actual baseball mind. And I know that Carson feels stronger negatively about Epler than I do. I said, I think he did a fine job. I don't feel as I'm not as high on him as Mets vent or, or tone is. But I think while Carson is like, I am usually very brash when he says things and very like, listen, this, these are just the facts I'm spitting. I do think this comment here is fair. I know he doesn't like Billy Epler. Ibby, but I think Epler being a product of the money is a fair commentary. I think Epler did great at the deadline. I think you can't take that credit away from him, but you can't tell that whole story without telling the story of the money because the Mets are not able the to do that yeah. without the money. Now, yeah. maybe, maybe the Mets can trade both of those contracts, but the Mets are not getting back the prospects that they got back. The Mets are not rebuilding a farm system without Steve Cohen's money. The Mets may have been able to take advantage of a seller's market and unload Verlander and unload Scherzer, but they were not getting prospects back, period, without them being willing to take on money. So, you know, I think sometimes people are a little too harsh on him, but I think, you know, I think that's a fair, I think that's fair. I think Epler did okay. Yeah, I think that, look, the money is the story because when you're dumping off contracts like that, players aged like they are, you have to have that money there in order to get back what you got back. Like it's, and again, that's not a shot. That's not, I'm not trying to kill Epler on that, but that's, that's the truth. Like without that money, you can't do it. Like it's next to impossible at that point. Um, so again, try not to bury the guy too much. He did what was needed. I think if there's one thing you can pull from it, you could say that it helped that a lot of younger teams and upstart teams that had the eyes for October wanted a veteran presence on their team. You could say that you would have been able to move them because they have championship pedigree. You could say that. I'm not going to take that away. But like you said, you're not getting back what you got back. You got, you got back Drew Gilbert. You got back Ryan Clifford. You got back Acuna. No matter what you think about those given players, they still rank highly within baseball in terms of prospect pedigree. And you're not doing that without the money. So the money has to be the talking point there because without it, you don't get this. Yeah. And listen, if you want to give if you want to give Epler credit, and and a lot of people are saying, you know, Mets Vent was was saying, hey, that was that comment was just a joke for me. Epler was no, just we, middling, course, not yeah. great, not awful. Yeah, and I think in the to I think his his deadline was great last year. His deadline the year before was horrendous, right? Like it is better, what it is. Better seller than buyer. Better seller. Better than seller buyer. than buyer. And I will say, if you want to give him credit for one person in particular, you give him credit for the prospect that he got back for Dominic Leon, right? Like that's a move where it didn't take money. That's a move where he signed a guy off the street, off the scrap heap, and got back like a decent prospect for a guy who wasn't even pitching in the major leagues until like 
May, right? Like, so in that case, I think you give him, you can give him the most credit on a move like that. Hey, breaking news, breaking news. And this is for everybody. So I have to bring this up. (laughs) If the Mets win between 82 and 88 games, that is a six game swing. I'll let those in today's chat pet my horse that is from Paul Revere. That is pun fully intended straight from the fucking horse's mouth. So screenshot this right now because we are going to Massachusetts and we're petting that goddamn horse come hell or high water. Sorry. Oh my God. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. Patty is not going to Boston regardless of what happens. (laughs) So nobody. Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. Um, it'd be, Let's talk about um, let's talk about Carlos Mendoza and his press conference. Yes, and you're right. He did fine. They he did, what he did could. not. They did not give him anything. Somebody just said no. in the comments, I, I missed it. I don't want to scroll up at the moment, but I'll go get get it and give him credit in a minute. Um, the the media, it's like they don't even watch. It's like they're not even watching the Mets. It's like they don't they even don't. know who Carlos Mendoza is. They're just um, there to be there. They're just there to be there, and honestly. You know, I know I talk a lot of shit on the radio and I talk a lot of shit on that radio station. I talk a lot of shit about journalism and where it's gone. And I talk a lot of shit about, you know, the coverage on SNY and these people who have, you know, jobs that, you know, are aspirational and, you know, you got to work to get there and whatever. But it be all of these mediums. All of these mediums are dying. Yes. And the people who have the jobs right now are not doing anything to have a stay of execution. They're not doing anything to prevent this from happening. Now they might not be able to, the people in these jobs right now might not be able to right? like John Heyman, this is a Yankees thing, but John Heyman tweeted out an article with the headline about how, you know, the Yankees held on to a future 30, 30 guy, and that was the difference between them getting Corbin Burns. A future 30-30 guy? Really? Because I've seen plenty of guys with a mix of power and speed that come up to the major leagues and, and don't hit 125. So this guy, who has never been in the major leagues, is a future 30-30 guy? That's clickbait. And all you have for to Spencer do, Jones. you can... Yeah, yes, for Spencer Jones. All you have for to Jones. do, if you're John Heyman, is say the same headline and just say potential 30, 30 guy. That's all you have to say. And then I'm not going to be mad because is he a potential 30, 30 guy? Yeah. Based on the way he profiles. Yes. But let's let him come to the major leagues. Let's let him have some at bats in triple a let's let him do something because it looks like shout out to aunt Rivera, uh, subway to Shea who had, um, Keith rad on and Keith rad talked about how, um, In the minor leagues, you know, Brett Beatty looked like he had the purest swing in baseball, but it hasn't equated to the major leagues. Okay. It's a different fucking game. So these are the people. And that's why, you know, is journalism dead? Yeah. And you know who killed it? The fucking journalists. Because they refuse to adapt. What they're doing, and this is true of TV. This is true of radio. It's true. It started with newspapers because newspapers have been dying yeah but what they've done is all of these mediums have adapted in the wrong way they have jumped on to the train of 
the fast-moving information. Rather than finding how what they do works for that, they just took everything that has ever been the pillar of their industry and threw it out the window to fit this mold. And that's not how it works. You have to adapt, but you have to adapt in a way that still holds on to the tenets of the industry. And I know I sound like an old person when I say that. And you know what? I'm getting old. I'm 37. So I went to school. Maybe you're a couple of years younger than me, but you went to school. We all went to school at a time. We're in that transitionary period between when all of this was like taught to us a certain way, the old school way. And we watched it in real time change to this new school way. But I was taught when I went to school for broadcasting, I was taught the number one rule of journalism is to be right. Now the number one rule of journalism is to be first. And I would take it even to a whole nother level. Now it's to just generate eyeballs. So you can just say whatever you want. Brandon Tierney and Sal Licata have a debate on the radio about who should be the captain of the Mets. Captains don't matter, first of all. But yeah, you got Brandon Tierney, whose favorite baseball player of all time is Don Mattingly. A guy whose nickname is what, Ibby? He's the hitman. Right. He's Donnie Baseball. He's Donnie Baseball, yeah. He is the quintessential baseball player for a lot of people. And then he's going to look at Brandon Nimmo and say that he's a fake hustle guy. He says, what do you run into first base for? You're not Pete Rose. Now, I think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame because he's the hit king. But also, nobody's Pete Rose in terms of what he did on the field. (laughs) Nobody wants to be Pete Rose in terms of what he did off the field. So don't don't evoke the name of Pete Rose running into catchers at all-star games and ruining their careers and saying that Brandon Nimmo, who will do anything for his team and does it with a fucking smile on his face and runs down to first base when he takes a walk, how are you making that a negative? How dare you make that a negative? It doesn't make any sense. When then Sal Licata's like, well, the Mets need Lindor, another quintessentially positive player, and Pete Alonso off the team so that Nimmo can thrive. So I guess now the Dodgers should go ahead and trade Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman so that Shohei Otani can thrive. And they probably shouldn't assign Yamamoto because God knows you can't have two Japanese pitchers on the same staff. (laughs) What the fuck are they even talking about? Uh, I know this is supposed to be a thing about Mendoza, but you can't talk about what happened at the Mendoza press conference without talking about how this stuff happens. When you have these people who hate these jobs, they hate these jobs. You got Rich Samini covering the Jets. Nobody clowns the Jets more than Rich Samini. When you are a beat reporter, your job is to not be a shitty open mic comic. Your job is to be objective. If that means being negative, that's okay. If that means being positive, that's okay. Your job is to not be like, well, you know, it's crazy that the Jets couldn't find a way to use Miko Hardman, and all of a sudden he's out there in the Super Bowl making plays. The guy didn't play for Kansas City for like seven consecutive weeks. He made three catches in the Super Bowl. This was not some great loss. 
But it's just, it's, it's open mic night. It's all shitty comedy. And I want to start doing comedy again and just invite these fucking cornballs out. And let's see how well you do in that setting. I have never seen less talent fail upward more than the likes of these fucking people. And they have jobs that some people in this chat, some people who have been on this show, some people that I've argued with would kill to have. And they hate them. I'm sorry, Abby. Sorry. Are you okay? I, I thought I, when you get going, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna step in and stop you. Um, but look, we we know and we've echoed it forever. We know the route that it's all gone. Negative uh, negativity drives everything. Negativity. <laughs> negativity um drives clicks mets related any anything in general whether people are talking about like lebron or whatever lebron versus like anything in the in that sense to drive eyes and we know it all died when it was you know when when millions upon millions of dollars were given to the likes of skip bayless and Stephen a smith and People look at that and it's like, look, you work in a business, you work in an industry, you want to make money. You want you want to be the next guy. You want to get paid, which is why I think a lot of people do that because that's the way that media has gone and that's what gets rewarded. doesn't matter if you're right. matters if you're first. Shout out to the likes of Ken Rosenthal, who's had his moments. Shout out to the likes of Jeff Passan, who's had his moments too. But they are the last two true ones left. Because they know their brand and they say, I don't need to be first. You can be first, but guess what? People are going to wait for my tweet. And that's mm -hmm. the truth because that's the way it's gotten. And if, and if this offseason proved anything, that proved 1,000% true that everyone says, wait for passing. Wait for Rosenthal. Like, that's mm -hmm. the way it's gone. In terms of this presser. I, again, I didn't like how oh, automatically right. that's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. in, ter in terms of this press, no, it, it all comes back. In terms of this presser, it all just comes down to people in general that are in those jobs, not knowing the product, not knowing like you're there to do a job, but you don't know what the job is. It's not even like you're learning on the job. It's that's why you get stupid questions like, hey, Carlos, the Mets fans are very passionate fans. They want to win. Do you share that same passion? And we were joking. Like, it's so stupid. It's like it's a dumb question. Even for spring training, it's a dumb question. And we were joking. And shout out to Nelson and in the, in in the interstate last night with CP and Tone. Like it, Nelson goes, I wish he based, I wish he goes, I wish he said, no, you know what? I don't have that passion. They paid me the most money and they offered me a job. That's why I'm here. I would have laughed if he said something along those lines because yeah. it would have been hysterical. It's like, what do you expect someone to say? You're asking a fluff question when you can ask more in-depth questions, but you don't ask those questions because you don't know the subject that you were talking about. Like, no, no lie, not to go off on a rant with teaching and stuff, but like, I'm literally talking to my kids right now in my health class about being assertive and being passive. When you are an assertive person, you're a little bit more upfront, not demanding, but you're confident. The whole thing's about confidence. You're more passive in those other senses. So when you don't know something, you're more passive. You ask those fluff type que uh, questions to make it seem like you know what you're doing hey Mets fans they're very passionate people do, do, do you share that passion it's like well if you really knew Mets fans you know they're going to call you a fucking idiot for asking that question because it's a dumb question but they don't know what because again the people that are covering this sport are dated 
are out of touch. They don't know what to ask. And like you said, it's a dying medium. The people that know this sport are the diehards, are the content creators now. And no matter what, they're always going to push the envelope to, with the negativity and the stupidity to keep the eyeballs on them, to keep the eyes and the views in general off the smarter people that know what they're talking about because they fear it. That's the truth. Yeah, you're you're 100% spot on. We'll jump back into the comments here before we head into the break. Uh, Tone saying, uh, the Johnny rants are a thing of beauty. <laughs> Single-handedly trying to keep journalism alive, like how Nas tried to save hip-hop. Tone, you have no idea <laughs> how touching that comparison is for me. Um, I've always, yeah, I mean, I'm from Brooklyn. I've always been a little bit more of a Jay-Z guy than a Nas guy. If, you, if you're asking me to pick gun to my head, but I love Nas. I love real hip hop, and that really that really gets me, man. That really gets me. I love that. Thank you, um, Chris Ram saying the coffee mug does indeed hide laughs, Ibby. That's a pro yeah. move. And then uh, Mets fan saying, I live near Philly. And you'd be surprised how many of those clowns hate Nimmo running to first. You know what, Mets fan? Like, I appreciate that they're Philly fans. Yeah, let them hate him. Let them hate. Let them hate what he does. We hate Chase. Right? Like, we hate Jimmy Rollins. Yeah, like yeah. I don't listen. I, I've heard Jimmy Rollins is a really nice guy. If I met Jimmy Rollins, I I'd, I'd say what up to him. But I hated but him. Then as follow a up, be like, I fucking hate you, man, for beating us all those years. Dude, did I you ever know? tell the story on this podcast the time I met John Smoltz at the airport? You told me. I don't know if you said it on the show. I remember you. Okay, did so me. we'll head into the break after this. And if you're watching live, the break is just a quick ad spot we need for the audio podcast of this show. Rosie, by the way, disagreeing with me, saying uh, blasphemy. It's always Nas. That's fine. To me, they're one and one A. I just, you know, I, I like Jay Z, but whatever. Um, it's it's the Biggie Tupac conversation. Everybody's got their own pick, and it, you can just you can take it whichever direction you want. But, um, oh, uh, Stefano saying, uh, which I think is a Welcome, new commenter, and this one coming in Welcome. from X. Either of you coming to London in June? Maybe, 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 maybe. You got, you got, you got a better shot at John than you do me. Love, love, love the city of London, as you can tell by my tattoo that is uh, the London Underground inspired in the face of Big Ben. Um, so I will look for any excuse to go to London. So maybe. Um, so when I was at the airport coming uh, back from one of my work weekends, I flew into Newark. And if you guys are familiar with the Newark airport, you know that it has closer proximity to the MLB network studios than mm -hmm. either of the New York city airports. So I was flying from Atlanta to Newark. I get, and as I got on the plane, I noticed somebody who I thought looked like John Smoltz, but in fairness to John Smoltz, he looks a lot like a lot of middle-aged white guys who live in the Atlanta Metro area. So <laughs> Couldn't be 100% in passing if it was really John Smoltz. I got off the plane. I'm walking down the, the corridor to baggage claim. And I walk past this same guy and what I believe is his wife. I later find out, yes, it is John Smoltz and his wife. So she stops at the store. He's waiting outside. I pass by. And it's just him and I. And I looked at him and I said, hey, you're uh, John Smoltz, right? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, ah, you know, good work on uh, MLB network. And he's like, ah, oh, thanks a lot. And I was like, I do want to let you know though, you ruined my childhood. <laughs> and he goes, ah, with a smile. He goes, Mets fan, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he goes, well, if it makes you feel any better, 
I think they're going to be good this year. And it was, you know, 2016 or something. It was a year they actually were pretty good. He goes, if it makes you feel any better, I think they're going to be good this year. And I was like, no, it doesn't help. And he laughed and he goes, <laughs> he goes, all right, man. Well, you know, you want to get a picture? And I was like, absolutely not. And I walked away. <laughs> I'm not taking a fucking picture with John Smoltz. Are you kidding me? You want to, but the part is I got to turn it down. He was like, Hey, you want to get a picture? And I was like, no. Oh my God. And I was like, have a great day. And I just walked away. Absolutely <laughs> not. You think I'm taking a picture with John Smoltz? It is bad enough that I have a picture with Fred Wolpon. People take me to task for that. When I yeah. got it on the field at City Field, like you know stop what I mean? posting like, it. You keep posting what? it. I posted <laughs> when I want to post it. Like just listen, Fred Wilpon <laughs> didn't do a ton of favors for the Mets, but Fred Wilpon is not Jeff Wilpon. You gotta find the line of demarcation there. Also, he was walking on the field with Omar Minaya, who I love. By the way, I know Omar Minaya had an up and down tenure with the Mets, but I think Omar Minaya is a really, really, really good baseball mind. And he was walking with Fred and I asked Omar if I can get a picture. And then I kind of felt weird not asking Fred and he was being so affable and friendly and all this stuff, whatever. Anyway, I was invited down to the field. So like, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to be rude, but anyway, um, people loving the story, uh, tone saying John just won my respect times 10 for that. Uh, Charlie saying that story is so much better than having the picture. And uh, Carson saying we don't negotiate with Satan. Good job, John. <laughs> Ibby, um, our shows have been going longer lately, which is why I didn't force the break over at 30 minutes because I figured we'd go closer to an hour and a half. So we're at 49 minutes and counting. Let's head into the break now. We'll come out. We have plenty more to talk about. With regards to the Mets, we'll leave the media conversation in the rearview mirror. For everybody who's watching live, hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. Um, and uh, if you're looking at it and you're like, look, I don't want to be in the break, don't worry. It is just a quick 30-second ad spot that we need uh, for some commercials that go into the audio version of this show. So it's John Sapinero. It is Matt Ibi Ibanez. Jesus. It is Till Mets do okay. us part. We will be right back. Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank us too. What's up, fellas? John here with Till Mets Do Us Part, and Valentine's Day is knocking, and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription? The all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off and free shipping, that's 20% off, and free shipping with the code TMDUP. That's TMDUP for Till Mets. Do us part. Happy Valentine's Day. Yo, just like that, we are back with Till Mets Do Us Part, live on YouTube, live on Twitter and X, whatever you want to call that app. When you type in Twitter in the browser, it still exists. So I think I'm still able to call it Twitter um, until that is no longer a thing. Um, plus, like I said in the first half, 
I'm getting a little older, and it's always going to be Twitter to me, and I don't really care about it. John Sapinaro, Matt Ibby Ibanez holding it down like we do each and every single week. Um, we know that we've had some issues, Ibby, with translating the podcast, um, yeah. you know, from our old network to the Brella uh, uh, Media Network. So um, I think all of those issues have now been resolved. The one caveat to that is it seems like there are two different podcasts on some platforms. So on Apple and Amazon specifically, it seems as though there is a stream with our old stuff and an entire podcast with our new stuff. And the new stuff has all the backlog stuff. So we're working on combining those two RSS feeds. If you listen on Google or Spotify, then uh, guess what? Everything works. Everything works exactly how it should be. But Apple and Amazon, for some reason, there's duplicate podcasts. So just please type us into the search bar. I if do. you maybe it is, maybe it I is. Think it um, is. We're working on getting that all combined. But if you type yeah. it in to either one of those platforms, if that's where you get your podcast, if that's how you listen to us, um, just make sure that you find the one with the new branding, and that's how you'll know that it's you know all of our current episodes. Also, if it's up to date because we record every week, if it's up to mm-hmm. date, you know you're listening to the right one. If there's a podcast from you know just two weeks ago, and then a podcast from. 18 months ago, that's how you know you're looking at the wrong feed. But we're working on it. We're doing the best that we can. Uh, Ibby, let's take an opportunity, though, to shout out our friends over at uh, Manscaped before we get back into the conversation, if we can. No, of course. I mean, I I wanted to talk about the introduction again, as always. But you know what? Instead, I'm going to go over some talking points. And that is very simple. Obviously, it is Valentine's Day, guys. If you are still looking for a gift, late gifts come in a little bit uh Later than normal, we also have the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. The electric trimmer features skin safe technology guarding your Valentine's Day treasure against your grooming mishaps. It also comes with the brightest LED spotlight, yet, it's brighter than your best romantic smile. Perfect for the precise grooming, even in the trickiest of spots. Oh, and it's waterproof too, making shower shaves a breeze. But hey, that's not everything the Love Doctor ordered. The package also features the Weed Whacker 2.0 nose hair trimmer, which I just used recently. And I had the 1.0. And I want to throw this in real quick. It was fantastic. The 1.0, I was like, ah, it, it wouldn't work that great. But as John said, we're getting a little bit older. I got some nose hairs now. I got to take care of myself. Got to make sure I look sharp when I'm on camera every week. I used it. Took care of everything. Perfect. Done. No pain. Nothing at all. Fantastic stuff. Would recommend. Manscaped's Liquid Formulations. Also come as two free good goodies in the uh, Ultra Package. The Shed Travel Bag, the Boxers 2.0. Comfort is king for everyone that shops with Manscaped. And as always, 20% off, free shipping at checkout. Make sure you type in the promo code TMDUP. That's TMDUP at checkout. Tell them, Till Met sent you. Clean it up, boys. Doesn't matter. Valentine's Day. A normal Tuesday. It doesn't matter where. Clean yourselves up and do it on us. TMDUP. We got you. I will say this. That was a great read, first of all. Um every time, every time I look at the read, I just picture like Mike Francesa reading this. Is it just picture? I just picture uh, okay. uh, all right. Uh, roses uh, are red, uh, violets uh, are blue. Uh, trim your balls and your date will thank us. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> Um, cause you know, he would never do a read like that. Cause he was such no. a weird yeah. hard ass. But anyway, um, I used to have a different, uh, nose trimmer before, mm-hmm. uh, Manscaped sent us over the, uh, the weed whacker and, uh, the Manscaped one is just better. It's just absolutely better. Point blank. Ibby's got it. 
please don't trim your nose hairs on the stream. I will not do it. I will not do it. I will not do it. That is a different kind of stream. Um, If people (laughs) want that, put it in the comments. Ibi will create a separate YouTube channel. It's an ASMR thing. Um, It'll be fine. But, yeah, TM's uh, <laughs> up after dark. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Still meant to do his part after dark, okay? After dark, um, okay. No, the one, the one that I had doesn't work as good as the one from Manscaped. Point blank, yeah. period. Uh, and the fact that you can charge it with a USB-C is also better. Yeah. It's faster. It's mm-hmm. easier because there are less things to carry because most people's phones now charge with a USB-C including if you're like me and you've always been an iPhone guy, the new iPhones also have a USB-C charger now. No more lightning, USB-C. So USB-C goes across the board, you know, and it helps you and you can charge your lawnmower, you can charge your weed whacker, you can charge your Manscaped products with your phone charger, which means you will never, ever, ever not look your best, even if you're going out on the road like I do. Every single week. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, listen, Tone is really into it. He says, I'll take whatever Ibby sells. That's <laughs> Tone, if you were to, hey, look, you let me know. You show me a receipt. You use TMDUP at checkout. You want to keep that beard of yours nice and trimmed up, looking sharp. Hey, man, you're on camera now. You're doing more stuff when it comes to video on X, Twitter, whatever, on YouTube. Keep everything nice and clean. Get the beard short. They got everything that you need. It's on us. 20%. Um, this is a great segue from Carson continuing with all the dick talk. Drew Smith changed his <laughs> uniform number again. Yeah. He is now wearing uh number 33, I believe. Um, pretty sure that number was last worn by Trevor Gott. Did he wear 33 last year? I know Maybe. he's worn 33 in the past. Obviously Matt Harvey. Yeah. The I most famous Harvey. recent Harvey's 33. My 33. Yeah. The only 33 we acknowledge is Matt Harvey. Um, yeah, the- listen, I, I, I don't know. Drew Smith is. He's fine. He's still on the team. You know, there's, there's that. That's what I could say about him. Um, speaking of Jersey <laughs> numbers though, um, these new jerseys are. Oh my shit. God. I don't want to even and talk I, about these. <laughs> I know that I blasted somebody on Twitter for talking about jerseys because they were talking about the renderings of the Mets new black jerseys. And I was yeah. like, just wait till you actually see them. Don't say that the other ones were better. Like you're looking at a, you know, a, a Photoshopped image Instead of looking at what the jersey's actually going to be, maybe it will be fine. Maybe it will look good. But this is us seeing the actual jerseys. And I actually commented on this before I even saw the Mets jerseys because I didn't see the Mets ones till today. Yesterday, I looked at the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago White Sox jerseys. And Ibby, I do not understand in a world where there is a – obvious place on the neckline of a shirt to put a stamp why you would move the MLB logo to underneath that line even if they made the other changes more curves in the numbers a cheaper version of what the you know the the embroidery is um a cheaper version of the actual jerseys like fine 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 to me, it's moving everything down below that line. It looks like a mistake. And I hear you, CP. Jerseys have zero impact on my enjoyment of the game. Not going to lie. I could care less about any changes. Let's play some damn ball. I agree, Ibby, with that sentiment. But these, like, they just, it looks like a misprint. It looks, it looks, it looks like. cheap. Yeah, and it it's looks, just it, bothering it, it looks, me. It looks knockoff. And look, CP, I'm with you. Like, we, it doesn't matter what the hell you wear. You want and to we'll get games. used to it. We're going to forget. No, okay, we'll forget it. about it. It's, it's just there, but it's like, 
I saw a picture of, I think it was, I think it was the Mariners shop. I think the Mariners have a really clean Jersey. I think it's a classic looking Jersey. And I think it was, um, I think it was Logan Gilbert's Jersey that they had up on the shelves and mm. just seeing how beautiful it looked with like the big letters and the, 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 the embroidery, like everything. I was like, that's a damn good looking Jersey. So I, I, you, I, I can understand why that sells for $300 because it looks, it looks perfect in my eyes. And then they, then they had the George Kirby one next to it, which is the new version. It's like, it looks cheaper. It looks, it looks like, it looks ratty. Like I, I, I didn't like it, but I understand what you're saying. CP doesn't affect the on field product. And I think I saw someone tweeted before. They were like, look, if the players like it because it's a lighter material and it makes them not sweat as much. And the wicking material is whatever, like, look, whatever like that's fine i'm just saying from a view perspective and i'm a big jersey guy logo guy i like looking at that type of stuff same thing with the nfl like when you do it right people are happy when it's when it looks ugly especially if you're watching a team that might not be as good in certain situations you want to look at something decent like john over here it has to watch the jets I think it's great that they're going back to the legacy jerseys because those legacy are jerseys beautiful. for life. <laughs> like those are beautiful jerseys and the helmet is fantastic. I'd rather look at that, even though they're only scoring 10 points a game, like John eloquently has put before while he's drinking his Casamigos. Um, but you know, in general, like I think it doesn't hurt to look good. And I think baseball jerseys in general can look really awesome at times when it's done right. The city connect not batting the greatest of batting averages. I should not, not putting up the best, the, the best of batting averages when it comes well, to the product that they put out. Ibby, you know, I, I think, I think the problem is, and James nailed this, the logo moving down price, moving up. That's the thing that's weird to me. Mets vent saying MLB logo doesn't bother me. Smaller letters make it look like a, a Walmart knockoff David Wright Jersey. I bought as a kid. Like if you told me if they Nike came out and said, look, this material is better for the players and we're standardizing it. It's lighter. It's breathable. The players are actually going to enjoy it long-term, even if they're a little hesitant on it now. And for all the fans, if we do the pro jerseys, the on the field jerseys this way, moving everything down below the neckline and reducing the amount of materials that go into the embroidery, we are actually going to make jerseys more affordable. The on-the-field right. jerseys are going to be easier to produce. Therefore, they are going to be cheaper for the masses. Now, look, we're in late-stage capitalism here in America. That's never going to fucking happen. I am not trying to kid myself or dilute anybody that might be listening. But if that was their reason, I'd be like, that's great. I actually don't care that they look different then because what they're ultimately doing is better for everybody. They're making something more accessible. but. To Tone's point, the MLB logo that low by itself is disgusting. I hate fanatics who designed it. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's the issue there. And like, you know, you know, Keith comes in. I think Keith is a new commenter saying, damn, I like that hat John got, man. Thank that's you. Keith, I Shea that. Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't realize that. My bad. Yeah. Um, usually commenting from the Shay and Sons um uh YouTube. So he up, pops Keith? in every now and again. He pops in with some so, comments. So um, but that's the thing, like, it'd be, you know, I'm a baseball fan, but you know, people have joked in this, in this, um, in this thread before, like in the chat, like I'm a, I'm a fashion guy. I like clothes. Not yeah. everybody does. That's fine. Men, women, whomever, if you're not into it, you're not into it. I am. And so like, I want stuff that looks good. You know what I mean? I'm the type of person when I buy a Jersey, like I've bought authentic jerseys blank 
I have taken them to the place in Whitestone that handles the overflow for the Mets when the Mets need to mass produce jerseys. So they have all the lettering kits. They also do the Islanders, by the way. And I will have them customize it, not with my name on it, but with a player of my choosing. I will buy the patches that go on the sleeves and I will add those because I like the authentic look. I've done it with a few different ones. So like that's important to me. It may not be important to everybody, but I just think the biggest issue that I have is if you're going to cut corners and keep prices the same, or dare I say cut corners and increase prices, that's fucked up. You know, this is all about making stuff more accessible and Sports should be for everybody to a degree. And if you're not doing this, you know, with that in mind, it's pretty shitty. Honestly, it is. And we can move on from the Jersey talk, but that's, it's pretty shitty. No, I mean, again, like it's, it's never going to get to the point where I, I I just feel like at this point, that like nothing is affordable, like the world we're living in, nothing is affordable and the price just keeps on going up. So it's unfortunate. I hate the way it looks. Uh, will I get over it? Eventually. Yes. Um, but like I said, I'm a Jersey guy. I'm a logo guy. Um, I like looking at things that look proper. And I just think it looks, I think it looks cheap. And I think when you are a multi-billion dollar company, a corporation, whatever you want to call major league baseball, um, I think you should have things that look extremely sharp. And when it doesn't, I think that there's a problem somewhere and you're cutting corners by doing something to put more money in your own pocket. And I think that that's shitty. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's let's talk about we haven't really talked about anything on field, which, you know, obviously this time, this portion of the spring, there really isn't a lot to talk about with regards to that. Right. Pitchers and catchers report yesterday. First full workout is today. Um, you know, and obviously other players are there. Lindor's already there. Uh, Mark Vientos is already there and people are going to keep on trickling in. Most guys get there early most times. Um, you know, it'd be. A lot is going to be made of what can what continues to happen um, with regards to the third base situation. Mark Vientos had some comments earlier, uh, I think a day ago, two days ago, where um, you know they asked him what he does well, and he's basically like, "I hit the ball hard. That's what I do." Um, but you have to give him credit for you know working with Lindor in the offseason and trying to look. He wants to play. And I think that fairly, unfairly, right, wrong, whatever, I've got my own opinions. I think it's safe to say that Brett Beatty has a leg up on the third base job. But you have to respect what Mark Vientos is doing to of put course. himself firmly in the conversation, even if he knows he'll never be a great third baseman. If he's like, look, the more opportunities I give myself to get into the lineup, the better. I, I, you got to respect that. And I love his attitude. And I do love, I, I compare Beatty and Vientos' relationship to what we saw early on when Pete and Dom Smith were young players. I These are two guys night. directly competing with each other that have each other's backs. And that's important. I do think that that is, um, I think that's good for team morale. I think of it course. worked out in spades for the Mets with Dom Smith and Pete Alonso. And look, I don't think either one of these players, in fairness, is ever going to be Pete Alonso. Um, but I think both of them will be better than Dom Smith. I think, you know, Dom Smith is just, he seems like a really great guy, but he's not a major league player. Um, but I do love that kind of camaraderie when you're also battling it out for a position, knowing that, you know, you might take a bats from the other guy if you win the role, especially if Vientos wins. You know, if Beatty wins the third base job, Vientos is going to DH and he's going to back up first base. He's going to back up third base. He's going to move around. 
if Vientos wins the third base job, I'm not sure what happens to Brett Beatty, to be quite honest with you. So, well, that, well, that's my issue with the whole thing. And, and, and it's not that – look, I I don't think either one is the best of fielders. Can work be done? Can you improve? Absolutely. You see him work – you see Vientos work with Lindor last offseason, but we I, I could also say, well, we watched Brett Beatty say that he worked down in Texas with Troy Tulowitzki. It's like – you're working with guys that know how to handle the glove. That's one thing, but you still have to go out there and apply. We watched Brett Beatty go out there and try to apply, and it wasn't that great. We've seen Mark Vientos and what he provides. It's not that great. My problem is this. If Mark Vientos beats out Brett Beatty at third base to play third base, to be out in the field a majority of the time, my question then becomes, I've been, I don't want to say I've been sold, but maybe it's just my own thought process and others as well. But the idea of Mark Vientos was always about his bat and providing from the DH position. So when you put him at third base, who is the DH for this team? That's another question that comes. So it's like, oh, we're gonna put we're gonna put Starling Marte at DH. Okay, so you're gonna give everyday consistent at bats then to Harrison Bader as opposed to defensive switches and things of that nature. Or you're gonna put somebody. You're gonna get more DJ Stewart. Like, what exactly is going on with this line? Because there was questions before that. And now you're going to say that he's not going to be the DH. He's going to be playing third base. If Brett Beatty's not playing third base, to your point, I don't think he's in the lineup. And I think that make that that hurts things. So I really think I agree with you. Sorry to interrupt. I think yeah. the only way they're both on the 26 man roster is if Brett if Brett Beatty wins the third base job and Vientos, you know, wins the the DH job slash split DH job because I think you know DJ Stewart can play some right field he'll DH some and like I said Vientos can spell Pete I think you can put him at third base maybe you know a game or two and I've said on this show plenty of times I don't think he's a major league third baseman I think he's barely a major league first baseman from what he's shown I think he's a DH that is Vientos but I think that the only way they're both on the roster is if Brady has to win the third base job if he doesn't win the third base job I think there's a chance he's in the minor leagues I really I think do. there is too. I no, I, I I agree with that. I think that there there's definitely an issue here that if he doesn't show out similar to what he did last year, I think you're gonna see a big problem in terms of where he is starting the season. I think that if he plays well, he is your third baseman. He is playing third base. That is what's going to happen. And look, I don't think prospect pedigree should be the end all be all, but his was better than that of Vientos. I think he's going to be given that opportunity to really show out. Like I've said time and time again, I don't expect it to change, but outside, you know, bearing a situation where he just comes out in the spring and he just does not have it at all. He is just like a shell of a player. Doesn't have, it doesn't show anything whatsoever. Um, That changes the, the, the math on the entire thing, obviously, but I really think that he is going to be the one that's playing third base and Mark Vientos should focus. Look, he should focus on being a better fielder for the times that he will be out there. Cause I'm sure he will get some time. I don't think much, but sometime you don't want to be a complete butcher out there, but I want to see Mark Vientos hit. That's what I want to see. He is a hitter. He has power. I, we, we have been begging for power. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see him going out there and butchering at third base. If that's what ends up happening here, I'm rooting for Brett Beatty mainly because I want to make sure that Mark Fiendos can just focus on the hitting. That's really what I, that, that's what I want. Yeah. Um. You know, when I look at, cause here, here's the other issue with this. And we've talked about it before. We talked about it two weeks ago with Todd Frazier, who played third base for a very long time, very successfully in the major leagues. <sighs> Beatty to me, is 
Like if Beatty was a great fielder or even an above average fielder, he has the leg up, right? Because even if he doesn't hit, you're like, look, man, we're not really sure. Vientos is a below average glove. But to me, they're both right now, today, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, Ash Wednesday, whatever day you want to pick, they're both below average gloves. So to me, whoever hits is the guy who's playing third base and you deal with the glove for now. Because there's no way that you can give, nobody's getting a bump. To me, Beatty's not getting a bump because he played third base last year and made a couple of really good plays. So like, because he's made plenty of bad plays along the way. You know, um, CP saying if Beatty's not in the lineup to play third base, just trade him. He changed it later. Just trade yeah. him. There is zero upside to him starting in AAA again this season. Zero. I agree with you, but there's also zero upside to trading somebody at their lowest possible value. If he's in camp with the Mets and he hits 143 and Vientos hits 275 with eight home runs and plays a passable third base and Beatty loses the job, you're not getting shit for Beatty. Absolutely nothing. Mr. Nobody, Wendell, 2024 All-Star incoming. (laughs) Look, you know, so I don't, it's not that I disagree with you, CP. I get it, but you have to send him down because you're going to have to try and get something, anything at that point for Brett Beatty, which brings me to the next conversation, Ibby, which is the other players who have been invited to spring training. Now, obviously, everybody is on the 40 man comes to spring training. So, mm-hmm. you know, we are going to see Luis Angel Acuna because he's on the 40 man, but we're also going to see Jet Williams. We're also going to see Drew Gilbert. We're going to see some of these. Uh, I think uh, Christian Scott, Mike uh, Vassell are also mm-hmm. on, uh, on the invite list. To me, I know the Mets have theoretically more holes in the rotation, mm-hmm. but I am more interested to see Acuna, Gilbert, and Jet Williams. And what they do in spring, knowing that spring is just that, you know, you don't count uh, things you see in March and September. That's the old adage in baseball. But I'm more curious to see what those guys do, because I think what happens at third base is going to directly affect at least two of those three players, Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna. Because I said it two weeks ago with, with Todd Frazier, even though none of them necessarily profiles as a third baseman, if Acuna's on the 40 man and Acuna's tearing up AAA, and Vientos and or Beatty are not hitting, the Mets are going to find a way to get Acuna here playing every day. Whether they have to move Jeff McNeil to third base again, which I know a lot of people don't want to do, whether they have to move Acuna to third base and see if he can just play there. I think that is going to be interesting because unless the Mets in the next few weeks sign a guy like um, Gio Urshela to give them some backup, you cannot, all jokes aside, have Joey Wendell be your main go-to guy at third base. Joey Wendell needs to play around the infield, around the outfield, spell some guys, do some nice things defensively. That's it. So I don't think you can be in a situation where you're left to, you know, if those guys sink or swim, I think you need to be willing to be creative with what happens with some of these prospects. That's all I'm saying. No, absolutely. And I'm with you. I'm very excited to see those guys uh, get some work in because, again, that that's uh, look, we know what the spring usually is for established ball players. It's going out there. It's going through the not only going through the motions, but getting some work in. You do you do what you got to do. But the exciting part is, again, looking at those 
odd numbers, the 77s, the 82s, the 86s that are going out there that have that pedigree that you go out there to play the game and you want to see what they can provide, especially for this team where uh, we think that sometime, you know, late first half, second half, some of these guys could come up and and, and provide for this team. And, and I'm with you. Like the the leash is shorter for some depending on how these guys go out there and perform at double and triple A. We're going to see some of them at some point this year. The question is how soon? And obviously that's dependent on how the major league talent goes about handling their business. But, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a lot of fun watching those guys go out there in the spring. And if they show out, obviously the, the anticipation is only going to get larger for them, especially especially in the early goings that happens every year when a player starts off slow, which is why it's imperative that the likes of Vientos and Beatty get off to a fast start, one of them at least, um, to quiet the yells and screamings of fans and media alike to call up the kids. We've gone through this once already, um, and people, you know, are already backing off of the kids, that being Beatty and Vientos, calling up those baby Mets or whatever you want to call them. There's more that are on the way. So it's going to be very interesting to see how all things handle in that, um, you know, in that entire situation. But regardless, I am excited to see those guys play and uh, it's going to be a fun spring watching them go at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got a question here and I don't know if you can answer it. I will pose it to CP who said it, but I know mm-hmm. you spoke to him. Um, the 2025 offseason, I think it's 24 into 25. So this coming offseason is going to piss a lot of people off on that front. I can already foresee it. Do you know what that means? Is this something you guys talked about? Or CP, if you can clarify what that is. Yeah, clarify that one, CP. I'm, I was also I'm reading it wrong. Um, or I think it's the 2024 into 2025 offseason, which would be this coming offseason, is going to piss a lot of people off. On that front, I can already foresee it, but I don't know which front we're we're talking about here. I just I just want a little clarity. Yeah, we'll, yeah, just, see we'll just wait for where that's at. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, I'm with Carson on this. I know uh, Mitch Trucker Tone is is big on Vientos being the third baseman. Uh, Carson say my actual third baseman towards ACL. So just waiting it out, watch these two bots battle it out until my massive switch hitting beast with aura and high sex appeal is healthy. <laughs> um, to that point, uh, Tone saying, uh, Carson, Ronnie is my second baseman. He looks so much better there. And look, there's a chance that's true. Um, but Henry agreeing with Carson, uh, Mauricio is my third baseman. Um, I also, um, Ibi, you know how I felt about Mauricio. Whether Mauricio's yes. long-term, because I, I don't think Tone is wrong here. Whether Mauricio's long-term future was at second base, right now the Mets still have Jeff McNeil on the roster, and they do have Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna, who both profile as a second baseman. I know they both played center field and stuff, but then you have to factor in Drew Gilbert and where he might be and all that stuff. They're both – all three guys are athletic enough to kind of move around. I understand that, but – I think as it stands right now, maybe long-term Mauricio's at second, maybe he's at third, whatever. But I was of the mind that there is no shot Beatty or Vientos were had a snowball's chance in hell of winning the third base job over Mauricio. That's how much better, Ibby, I think Mauricio is as a prospect than both of those guys. I have to be just completely honest, and I might be wrong, I've been right before, I've been wrong before, but I think Mauricio, and I said it, I think there's Francisco, of the prospects we've seen so far, there's Francisco Alvarez, and there's everybody else. 
But the next best guy that we've seen in terms of ability and just what he could potentially provide, Ronnie Mauricio was the next best one. I don't care that he lost his prospect status, had to build it back in the Dominican Winter League. He did. He went out, he won the MVP of that league. And I know that's not the major leagues and everything. That dude is, I, I think I think that's honestly the biggest blow to the Mets right now is Ronnie Mauricio not being here in 2024. Because I think he's better than Beatty. I think he's better than Vientos. I think he would be the third baseman. And I actually think he provides something that the other two provide theoretically. And that is pop in his bat. Yeah, he definitely he definitely took advantage of his time a lot better than limited time in certain spurts, obviously, than Beatty did with his extended look. And Vientos obviously was up and down with his with his playing time. Like we were complaining about that last last year, but Ronnie definitely, you know, took the ball and ran with it. And uh, it does suck that you know we're not going to be able to see the progressions that we thought we might have been able to see this year with him. And I agree, he would have been the third baseman and these two would have been fighting for a spot on the roster, not fighting for, you know, uh, basically deciding where on the roster they would be. I think one of them would be gone. And in that scenario, I would probably say that Beatty would be the one on the outskirts looking in because I think Vientos is going to prove to be a consistent power bat. Question is, will Beatty or has Beatty at all this offseason worked on that lift that we've known since double a that he hasn't done at all maybe let me uh this is the clarification from cp and then i'm just going to ask you a question um mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with this i just wanted to know for everybody in the chat i was just curious cp what you meant by this and now now i see it vientos Beatty being potential trade candidates to bolster the rest of the roster and let the internal candidates come up um is the thing i was alluding to with regards mm-hmm. to the mets so basically don't get attached to them and i okay. listen i'm not I'm not attached to either one of them, quite frankly. Um, I do like I do like Vientos better than Beatty. I do. I, I will say that. Um, I do think um, Vientos has. I, I think he profiles to me just from what I've seen. I'm not a scout. I've never been in the major leagues. Todd Frazier said two weeks ago he thinks Beatty's a better hitter. Other people have said similar things. Obviously, Beatty has a bit more pedigree being the first-round pick and all that stuff. I think Vientos is a better hitter. I think he profiles to be a better one. Let me ask you this, Ivy. Mm-hmm. Here's the hypothetical. Beatty, they both perform well in spring training. So they both make the 26-man roster. Beatty plays third base most of the time. Vientos is your right-handed DH slash sometimes third baseman, sometimes first baseman. So they're all getting a lot. They're both getting a lot of at-bats. Let's say they both have, you know, near identical numbers of at-bats, 450. So over the course of a full season, neither guy goes down to the minors. Neither guy suffers an injury and misses any significant time. They both get 450 to 500 at-bats. Just home runs. How many home runs do you think Beatty will hit in that scenario? How many home runs do you think Vientos will hit in that scenario? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I I have an answer in my mind. So if you want me to ask my own question and answer oh, it to give it. you a beat. Okay, go I ahead. Got it. I got it. So you're and saying, in the chat too, I want to yeah. know. If both guys play the full 2024 season on the Mets without missing significant time, so they're getting between four. I'm saying 450 because that's a little less 
assuming that, you know, guys are going to move around a bit and, you know, the stars get the bulk of the at-bats and Vientos and Lindor, I see Lindor and Alvarez and Alonzo and those guys. So 450, but both guys play all season long. I want to know in the chat before Ibby gives his answer to um, how many home runs you think each guy will hit. Would you like me to wait or you want me to answer? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. As yeah. <laughs> please you go, but I just wanted okay, to make okay. sure they knew they could jump into. Um, I would say that if 450 at bats, consistent playing time, I would say that I think Vientos can run into 23 home runs. If Beatty continues to stay on track in terms of his swing path and not lifting the ball. Focusing on the opposite field more, spraying the ball around. I would say across 450, I'll give him. If I'm being generous, no, I'll just, say just just be just be real. Don't be generous. Fifteen home runs. Fifteen. Okay, so 15. a lot of people in the chat so far that are answering um, are really um, kind of in line with what you're thinking. Chris Ram, I'm going to put your comment up first because I love you. And if this happens, I will dance in the fucking streets. I will go get Paul Rivera's horse and bring it to whatever fucking city near. <laughs> he said 31 for Vientos, 24 for Beatty. I will. God damn, Chris. I am a pretty, Ibby, I like to call myself a realist who skews to the optimist side just yeah. because hope springs eternal. Like if you don't have the, if you don't yeah, think you're spring, team, like, yeah. If you can't latch on, and I do this for football too, if you can't latch on to some reasons to want to sit down and watch your team, whatever they are, what are you doing, right? You're not doing anything. You're just fucking out here just like, oh, I'm so miserable. Everything sucks. The Mets are going to suck. Everything's going to be terrible. This is a level of optimism that I cannot I, I cannot subscribe to. I just don't <laughs> see it happening. But, Chris, I respect it. And, Chris, I will say, Ibby, to answer you and to answer Chris – I think the number is closer for Vientos than it is for Beatty. Because okay. I can see, I think this is good from Charlie. Beatty 14 to 18, Vientos 23 to 27. I could see, my number was going to be 12 for Beatty okay. and 25 for Vientos. So we're close. Okay, we're close. So we're, we're, okay. we're close. We're close. Um. Ian saying 16 for Beatty, 27 for Vientos. Uh, Mr. Nobody, a little lower on both guys, saying 10 and 17. Um, Armand, okay. a little so – everybody's kind of in the ballpark here. Yeah. yeah. Um, Beatty, 18. Vientos, 25. Uh, Carson, based on hitting tools, Beatty, 4. Vientos, 22. Uh, you know, look, I think honestly – I read that. I thought he said negative 4. I, I, I read I that think, wrong. Yeah, I, honestly. No, but <laughs> – Look, I think my number of 12, Ibby, is probably me being a bit generous. I think based on what we've seen from both guys, I think there is a greater chance, as Ibby's dog makes a guest appearance here on Valentine's Day, <laughs> I think there is a greater chance that Vientos hits double digits. Or let's put it this way. I think there's a better chance that Vientos hits 20, 20 plus. Okay. Then Beatty hitting double digits. Like, I think there's a better chance that whatever that number okay. is, Vientos hits 20, 21, 25, 27, 28, whatever. 
I think Vientos has a better chance of getting to 20 plus than Beatty does of having of getting to double digits based on what I've seen. Because I haven't seen enough. I don't think he lifts the ball. That's why when people are out here saying, you know, Beatty 10, Vientos 22, Wendell 5, I think from Swingman, I, I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's something you might see. I do. I, I think this is is kind of the number. So I think a lot of people that are saying like, you know, like, like Darren, I, I love you, man, but like, I, I don't see, I don't see 20. I don't, I don't see anything in the track record that says that Beatty is going to get to double digits. I just, you know, and look, this is fair for Mr. Nobody. I still doubt Vientos gets enough playing time to go over 20. That's fine. But I, I'm, we're operating here under the assumption that both yeah. guys are if going to get enough yeah. playing time. And, you know, yeah. and, and Greg, I think Greg C might be a new commenter, a new ish and shares my love of uh, the Mets and the Jets, obviously by the logo, which by the way, in two weeks, Greg, Greg, if you're still here, uh, the goddamn Jets show is coming back. We're going to do all things off season leading up to the draft and all that stuff. So my other show coming back in two weeks, if you head on over to the goddamn Jets on YouTube, you can subscribe over there, a little uh, plug, but you know, I just don't see, I don't see how Beatty, what, how many home runs did Beatty hit this year? Six, <laughs> ten. I gotta pull it seven. up real quick. I gotta pull it, it up. Much. I just, I don't see him. I don't see him getting. I don't. I, I, yeah, I mean, th- this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, Rosie's saying I don't see Beatty hitting twenty. Vientos maybe able nine. to hit twenty. That's nine. Okay, nine. hit nine in three hundred and fifty-three at bats. Nine. So we're giving him a hundred more at bats, Ibby. Three hundred and fifty-three. So I said 450. So in 100 more at-bats, he's going to hit, by some people's metrics, 11-plus more home runs? That guy better be lifting the fucking ball like a motherfucker. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a tough ask, and you hope I – th- I think the main thing is you hope that he – you hope that – the game itself slows down a little bit for him. And this is thinking best case scenario where you're thinking too much and you're not going out there and being the hitter that you think you can be in general. You've gotten this far. You should be able to continue. New York is tough. We get it. He said that at one point. The game was moving fast. I didn't fault him for that. I know others did. I didn't kill the guy when he said that. I think New York can be fast for a young player. Not everyone takes to it right away and runs with it. Not everyone is built that way. Not everybody is Pete Alonzo. Okay. Um, I mean, it even took Francisco Lindor a little bit of time, and he's a perennial all star player. It took him a little bit of time to get accustomed to the New York limelight. So, you know, it's it's a it's a tough ask because until if he comes into spring and the and the swing is tweaked a little bit that shows a little bit more lift, I can subscribe to being on the higher end of double digits or uh, of like uh the the higher teens. I should say, I said 15, I could subscribe to maybe 18, 20, maybe if, if it really changes, but if it comes in, it's exactly the same. I can't do it. I, I, w- I would fall more in line with the 12 to 15. Well, it'd be, you know, this is a good one here. Oh, shout out to Greg C, by the way, Greg. And Greg's like, I've changed my mind. Beatty 8 to 13, Vientos 8 to 23. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, uh, you know, I, we weren't giving you a hard time for real. Just kind of like, you know, again, no, never. It's, you're not the only one who said it. A lot of people were saying it. And this is this is from Patty. And thank you for looking this up. Vientos had nine home runs, too, in 218 at-bats. 
So if you take those 218 at-bats and you're basically more than doubling those at-bats, you can see how Vientos would get to 20. There's a yeah. path. A hot month gets to 25, yeah. Bats, he's 20 home runs. I know you can't extrapolate everything. Right. It doesn't, it's you, not that people simple, People are like, yeah. well, if you project those numbers, it's not that simple. Right. But you're right, it'd be a hot month. And you know what? He had a hot month of September. He had seven yeah. home runs in September. And that's when his playing so, time was consistent. Right. So if yeah. you take nine home runs and 218 at-bats, Oh, excuse me, Mets vent six of them in September. Thank you. Um, but if you take those nine home runs and 218 at bats and you more than double his playing time, you could see where he gets to 20, maybe 25 with a hot streak in there. Where you're just giving Beatty a hundred more at bats, you're gonna give him 11 more home runs. That's the thing that I find tricky. That's the that's the part that I have a, a harder time wrapping my mind around. And, you know, Ian's saying this, and I think this is a good point. Beatty has a higher ceiling, in my opinion. Vientos just has a much higher floor. I, I don't think that's absurd, Ivy. I don't think that's an absurd sentiment to offer. Um, you know, Beatty projects Two to be a better players, all-around too. player. Yeah. But, yeah. right, if you look at it from this perspective, again, right now both of them are below average fielders, in my opinion. But Beatty projects as somebody who can be a major league third baseman. I think most people around baseball are pretty resigned to the fact that Vientos is a hitter first. So if you just want to add value by saying one is an everyday player at a position potentially, and the other one is an everyday DH now to be an everyday DH, a true without a glove, everyday DH, it'd be, I think in today's baseball, you have to be a 30 plus home run guy. And I think, or if you're a 25 home run guy, you have to be a damn good RBI guy that's going to get to 100 plus RBIs by also mixing in a lot of other extra base hits. So I think when you look at this from that perspective, again, going back to the first half, kind of grading these guys on a curve, I could see Ian's point here. Yeah, absolutely. And then we got Carson here coming in with the 650 uh, plate appearances pace. From last year, Beatty would have had 15. Vientos would have had 25. So, again, we can see where this avenue – and, again, I, I, it, I think it's tough with Vientos, too, because when that consistent playing time fine locked in for him last month of the season, say what you want about other teams and what they're doing, and if it's real baseball or not, depending on who you're facing, I don't care. You still got to go out there. You're playing for a job. I said that when we were talking about the shows back then – or talking about the games back then during our shows. So – Go out there and perform. I'm very curious to see what Mark, what Mark Vientos is going to do with that consistent playing time when he's able to lock in and get on the hot streak where he can hit six home runs in a month, where he can hit seven home runs in an eight weeks. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be the thing to watch for this team from the offensive perspective. It's no matter what, like this is what I want to see. Um because I think it's going to really help propel this team to get to another level within the season. I think number one, the number one thing for this team is the pitching showing up. Like that's the end all be all. I think there's still enough offense if the pitching is solid. So that's my number one thing, but uh, in terms of like winning more games, but watching these two go at it and see if there is anything. And then even if there isn't knowing that there's players down low that could come up and provide something and shift some things around. That's going to be the most interesting thing to watch. 
Yeah, I do agree with that. This is a fair comment from Mets Vent saying, to be fair, if we did this with Nimmo when he first came up, no one would have put him near his 2023 total. That's also 100% true. true. 100% um, true. I, I've said notoriously on this show that Brandon Nimmo was the person I was most wrong about before I ever had this show with Ibby. I thought Brandon Nimmo was going to be a very good fourth outfielder. I was wrong. So I could be wrong on any of these guys. But, Ibby, you know the thing I always say, too, is that I take no joy in being right when it means something negative. I would rather be happy than right. So for those, Chris Ram and, and Greg C, before he changes his, his, um, his numbers, listen, if Beatty hits 20 home runs, 24 home runs, I'm not going to be like, oh, man, I didn't think he was going to do that. Now I don't know what to do. Like I'm going to be like, that's great. I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. I want him to prove me wrong because I am a fan as well. So, you know, I, I think that that's really what it comes down to. So, um, you know, we've gone here for an hour and 35 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. I think now's a good time to kind of put the conversation to bed. Any last final thoughts before we get out of here for the week and we do it again next week. That sounds good to me. Uh, I got nothing in particular when it comes to the Mets. Like I said, I'm very excited to see what happens. I know everyone's hemming and hawing about what, could be or what should have been like with the DH and Vientos and be like oh, the conversation we just had. I think it's going to be a fascinating watch, hopefully for the better as opposed to the to the to the negative side. Um, but that's how we're going to watch the spring. We're going to see how these guys look. We're going to see how they look from a defensive perspective, and I want to see how they go about uh, swinging the stick. I, th I think Beatty has to come in hot. I really do. I think he's got to really prove something. Um, Everyone's talking about Vientos and out there and working, seeing him more, and we're not seeing Beatty, so everyone thinks he's not working. I guarantee you the guy's working. All right, he's a major leaguer. He's going to be out there putting in work. Um, but it's going to be interesting to watch nonetheless, and I'm excited to talk about it throughout the entire spring as we are on the road to the 2024 season, which will be competitive for our New York Metropolitans. The road to 162-0 and 0 starts today from Mets Vent. <laughs> uh, my final thought is actually baseball-related, but not necessarily Mets-centric. Spring training is here. We are going to find out, maybe by the time we record next week, there are still four players of significant prominence or more. Six players, depending on what you're looking at, that don't have jobs, Ibby. We're going to start to find out. Some of these guys are going to start to get jobs. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery. Matt Chapman, Soler, J.D. Martinez, Cody Bellinger. These guys. We almost made it. Almost made it. It wasn't even in reference to the Mets. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't say the name, John. Don't do it. <laughs> These guys are going to get jobs. If not with the Mets, they're going to get them somewhere. Um, because we're, we're, we're not going to get much more into this offseason. Um, because the off season's over, you know, spring training is here. These guys are going to start to take jobs and it's, I'm going to be fascinated to see regardless of where they go, where they do wind up because there's not necessarily a natural fit right now in some places for a lot of these players. And that's part of the problem. Um, so I'll be fascinated to see where these players wind up and what the deals look like. Those are the things for me. Um, Patty in NYC saying happy Valentine's day. Um, oh yeah. I forgot about this, by the way. Uh, Solaire signed a three-year deal with the giants Did that come out today. No, that was a couple days ago. Oh, I missed that one. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. I knew that my yeah. bad. Um, yeah, it's been a weird week for me. Um, I've been all over the place. I missed a work call yesterday because I just forgot about it. So that shows you where my head is at. Thank you for that. Uh, 
uh, G money. Um, but yeah, Patty saying, um, happy Valentine's day to everyone. And, uh, yes, happy Valentine's day, uh, to everybody who is listening, and watching shave. and don't forget to use the code. Look, I'm going to bring this up cause it's the last time on the way out here. Yeah. Um, Go ahead and give the gift of Manscaped this Valentine's Day, courtesy of us here at Till Mets Do Us Part. Use the promo code TMDUP, which stands for Till Mets Do Us Part. That's T-M-D-U-P. Use it across the entire website at manscaped.com for 20% off website-wide and free shipping. Look, Valentine's Day is here, so you're not going to get it for Valentine's Day, but it doesn't mean that it's not important for either you or the man in your life who may want to keep things a little bit tidier. And, you know, I know we joke a lot about how it's, you know, it's it's for your balls, but it's really for everything. You can trim. They got great stuff to trim your beard with. They got great stuff for your nose hair, your ear hair, your body hair. If you're like me and you don't like armpit hair and arm hair and things like that, you want to buzz down your chest. You can do all that at Manscaped. So, you know, don't judge it. Go over there, check out manscaped.com. And if you see something that you like, courtesy of me and Ibby, go ahead and use the code TMDUP for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, that's all I got to say. We will see you guys next week with more Till Mets Do Us Part. And of course, if you missed any of this episode, it will live forever on our YouTube channel. Jump over there and uh, check out whatever you missed. And if you subscribe to the channel, turn those notifications on. You will never, ever, ever, ever miss us when we go live. We're just a few subscribers away from 700. I would away. love Let's to get that there. number. I'd love to hit that number by the time we record next week. And of course, That'd if you awesome. listen to any of this show, watch it here today. Don't worry. You can listen to it starting later on tonight, courtesy of Brella Sports Media, wherever it is you get your podcast. I'm John. That's Ibby. This is Till Mets Do Us Part. We'll see you next time. Peace.